0: Hello, and welcome to the Stacked Podcast, brought to you by Cognify, the recruitment partner for modern data teams, hosted by me, Harry Gollop. Stacked with incredible content from the most influential and successful data teams, interviewing industry experts who share their invaluable journeys, groundbreaking projects, and most importantly, their key learnings. So get ready to join us as we uncover the dynamic world of modern data. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Joel. Joel's the head of data at Plum, a fintech within London. Joel, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Harry. It's really good to be here and honoured by the invite.
1: Looking forward to share some of my views and experiences.
0: Great, great. Well, look, today we're going to dive into the challenges of building a data team in a in a scale up, and let's start at the beginning. You're relatively new in your new role as the head of data at Plum, so. Where would you start building a, a team and where would you start when you, you first join a startup?
1: Yeah, so you're right. So I joined Plum relatively recently, around six months ago now. God, time flies in August 2023. Just emphasizing a bit more what Plum is all about. So we are a fintech in London, as you said, Harry, focusing on helping people throughout their financial journey by giving them the, the tools for them to manage, save and invest their money. What set us apart is probably like the aspect of focusing on automation and enabling effortless experiences around money with things like automatic saving rules and recurring investments. We are on a mission of maximizing wealth for all. So you'll see us throughout the years and probably seen already expanding through different directions of kind of wealth management, savings and and financial planning. So it's a super interesting place to be in terms of data because we sit right into that intersection of how people manage their money and it's super heavy on behavioral challenges.
0: How did you get to be where you are then? Maybe we should start there. What's could it be good to get a bit more of a background on, on your own career before you joined? Previous to Plum, I was leading the data function at
1: Free Trade, which is another fintech in London focuses more specifically on democratizing kind of access to financial markets by building tools for people to invest for the long run. It was an interesting journey there, uh, which I'm, I'm really proud of. I joined as the first data scientist there, joined a team of, of two at the time. And then we scaled the team to 10, went through a bumpy 2022, like many scale-ups around the world, and then started transitioning more to, to heading the function, managing, and, and leadership. Prior to that, mixed bag, but emphasizing, obviously, scale-ups and startups. I was a senior data scientist at Bulb leading all things related to data science on on the marketing and growth space and also worked for different companies like Forward 3D and Agency, focused on digital marketing, HSBC and Wonga. So Lum is probably the third big scale up in a row in the London kind of B2C tech space. Yeah, in terms of technical background, throughout my career, even though I'm now more focused on leadership and management, My background is all in data science and advanced analytics. So, basically, helping companies and teams figuring out insights, patterns, intelligence from their vast data sets focused on different areas. Because I was privileged, and I'll talk about why I think it's so good and important for someone to at least experience once a scale up or a startup. I think it shapes you in in a a unique way in terms of, of learnings and experiences. But I personally evolved to becoming quite a a bit of a full stack data scientist over my career operating across kind of different areas of data, data collection, ingestion, warehousing, machine learning, and A-B testing mainly, which I couldn't be more grateful for because it formed the foundations to be able to hopefully in an okay way lead data teams now.
0: Yeah, I I think that breadth of knowledge is is essential uh, to being a data leader. You have to have your specialism, but particularly, obviously, in the... In the startup and scale up space, you're always wearing many hats, and you're looking after you know the the end to end process. So having a, a good understanding of how it all fits in together, I think, is is really key. And the more the data, more the data stack and processes grow, you know, there's a bigger convergence of of needing to know how all of these systems communicate with each other. Absolutely, and just to
1: add, look, startups are, are and scale ups are not necessarily always easy. But definitely in terms of value for personal growth tends to be a, sh- a super rich experience because it's environments that tend to be relatively unstructured, relatively undefined the roles, different spectrums, obviously, but for the right individual that uh, is trying to optimize for learning, personal growth, growing responsibilities is the perfect environment for learning.
0: Perfect. I, I definitely agree. So you join. Plum six months ago as the head of data, what's first on your to-do list as a head of data in a, in a new team? How do you approach that? Because it can be quite overwhelming.
1: Absolutely. Very interesting, nevertheless. Look, I think it's all about trying to go as deep as possible into this triangle, these three dimensions, right? Business, team, and tech. We try to grasp the context as best as possible and, and, and as effectively as possible. On the business side, perhaps the most important thing in the very, very beginning is to understand what drove and influenced the business to invest in the senior data role. And again, there's multiple options here and multiple scenarios. The ones I experienced the most over the last years or heard other leaders talking about the most is either someone left the team and they want to continue in the same trajectory. So it's about maintaining a good trajectory that the team was before, but they need to fill a gap on leadership because the person left. That will definitely shape your role uh, in terms of being more oriented to it, towards extending what the person in your role was doing before. The other option is maybe the business wants to get more from data, more automation, more insights, more value, more intelligence. So they're looking to hire someone for a leadership role, expecting some sort of stepwise change, which is the position I feel I was personally in at Plum. And then there are examples, right, uh, particularly now in the era of AI, you also see a lot of hype type hiring. So business senior stakeholders, founders, wanting to jump as fast as possible into the AI train and thinking that uh, the only thing preventing them from doing that is, is having the right data leader running the team. So I, I think it's super important to to grasp that business context and understand if, if the ambitions from the leadership team is what do they expect from that data, fundamentally from the data team, right? And again, without going into specifics of what teams uh, here, I experienced really different range of kind of expectations towards the data org, ranging from being a more operational player in the business. And you tend to see this quite a lot with highly regulated businesses, where first and foremost, even though you can get amazing at the benefits from investing in data, first and foremost, data is not optional because you have regulatory reporting res- responsibilities, auditing responsibilities, etc. And then that's only one, one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is obviously believing that data can be an independent value stream for the company, delivering revenue, cost reductions, et cetera. I'm very proud uh, and happy to feel that I chose a company to join like Plum, where definitely we are all aligned in terms of like what we want to do from data and expand the value streams we take from data. So yeah, I think focusing on understanding that business picture is quite important. Then moving to the team and org, right? Are you inheriting a team that was built before you? So you didn't have a choice in terms of like putting your own opinion into hiring or not, or is your role about scaling up or building a team? I was personally very happy. I inherited an existing team at Plum. Very lucky, sorry, that everyone is excellent and really good to work with. But it's fundamental to take as much time as needed to truly get to know the team. It sounds really, really obvious, but it's something that can easily be missed and rushed. Understand, especially if the team is already of a certain size, like seven, eight onward, it's easy to join, start talking with senior stakeholders, start getting excited about like loads of different projects that can be done, but missing quite a fundamental part that you need need to be aligned with your team and understand them, understand what makes them love their job and staying around, but also what emotionally drains them what problems have they tried to fix before and failed? What quests they started but didn't got to complete? Previous successes, et etc.
0: Nice. No, I, I love that. I mean, the, the business context is always so. Always takes a long time to to grasp, but it's so important for you to then be able to. Before you start start implementing your your roadmap and your plan, you need to know what you're looking to achieve. And and yeah your team is the you wouldn't be able to do anything without your without your team and hiring is can be a a long process and you don't want to lose them if if you can keep them so i really think that's great understanding how they how they think and and how you're going to best empower them
1: and just to just to add quickly like which i think in the team domain is perhaps the most important thing is is to really learn about your team's individual characters right like drivers, motivations, streams, interests. Because scale-up are, are environments where very often it's required for people to leave their comfort zones, go above and beyond and be self-starters. So it's critical to understand like really what drives them, what how they think and how they work in order to make sure that they can succeed in environments like this.
0: And that's so important. That, that's a key role of a uh... Of a data leader, isn't it, to make sure that your your team are shielded from the the aspects which they don't need to concern themselves with, so they can get on with their their best work. And yeah, as I think, empowerment is the is the other sort of key point. So um, I suppose you mentioned in your your first statement, you know, you've got the the technology, the team, and the business as the core areas. So maybe let's start at the the technology. Technology is a huge part of how a data team operates. The modern data stack has been growing and growing new tool coming out every every month with all of these vendors popping up how do you make sense of it all and and how do you approach building a technology stack which is fit for purpose for you and your team yeah definitely look i'm gonna answer mainly
1: in two blocks one more focus in kind of like what to focus in terms of tech once you join a company and then zooming a bit into the tech vendors if that's okay like in terms of like what to do with regards to tech, when you join a company as a data leader, I think understanding the broad technical landscape of the company is absolutely crucial. For example, at Plum, there's, you know, understanding like how the systems are built at Plum, for example, the backend is built using Python, which is interesting. It means uh, certain dynamics and synergies between data folk and professionals that work already natively in Python and backend engineers that are building products and features for users can sometimes be facilitated. So those aspects really change how you think about what to invest on in tech. Understanding how data flows in the business and what data is available. Again, in the example of Plum, it's a company that have hundreds of different data sources internally and external. So it's really interesting in the beginning to immediately understand that. So it gives you a sense of the opportunity and the sort of quests and projects you can land on that data. But one of the things I did when I joined, which I think was really useful, was to map the technical, the data technical domains and going deep into describing like the state of these domains and uh, forming at least a two quarter roadmap for each. For us at Plum, but I believe for many companies uh, out there, the technical domains of data were data collection and ingestion, data warehousing, business intelligence, and MLOps. So from a data perspective, These are the things I focused a lot when I joined a new company, going deep into the different domains, how the domains relate to each other and form an opinion and roadmap for the next uh, six months. Going to tech vendors and more directly answering your question, look, to be very honest and perhaps upsetting like loads of different uh, good people I've met over the years from, from vendors, I tend to be quite cold about tech vendors and focus first and foremost, almost exclusively on the problem statement I'm experiencing with my team in the moment. The the constant approaches from vendors popping up makes it very easy sometimes to to do the other way around, right? Like of, of trying to map a problem that is not really a problem to a new shiny vendor that he's speaking with. So this is something that I definitely try to do the best I can is to, is to focus on our own problems and pay attention to the vendors. That map the problems we are experiencing, and not the vendors that we we don't think are relevant or mapped to any problem we have. Even if they could be useful, they're not something you should prioritize. The second like thing that.
0: is, pri- sorry, Harry. <laughs> no, that's right. I just said I like I liked it. I like I like obviously you focusing on your on yourself and your own problems. It's, it's easy to get caught up. You know they. They have very big marketing budgets and, and yeah, have uh, persistent sales teams. Yeah, great, but it can easily get wrapped up in, and lost in, in all the excitement.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, perhaps the main thing is like having a bias, tickling scale-ups and startups, and particularly after 2022, 2023, macroeconomic situation. If there's one thing that anyone in startups learn is that costs and path to profitability matter a lot. So having a bias towards being, you know, towards solving the problem simple first and internally, it's really, really important. The way I think about this is like solving a problem statement you have in-house. It's not like a binary outcome of like it's solved or it's not solved. Because there's different spec it's a spectrum of like how well you should solve the problem. And it's all about like, particularly in startups, it's all about like solving it well enough. And for that loads of times a vendor might not be necessary. I have two examples that I experienced. One example that I experienced recently around, for example, data catalogs, right? Like in order to solve uh, the problem perfectly, you probably need to map it to a vendor that maps all your lineage and extracts all the documentation and uh, descriptions of your dbt fields and looker fields. But there's tools out there that allow us to create a data catalog. That your business stakeholders can use, or at least you can validate if your business stakeholders are interested in using a tool like that or not. An example is the Looker uh, dictionary add-on, which we've been uh, playing with and, and seems quite useful.
0: Nice, nice. No, so, look, the tech is obviously one part and plays a big part of facilitating uh, your role in data, but the team are the the people that actually use that. So. Whenever you join a scale up, you mentioned obviously you might inherit a team, but kind of in the name of a scale up, you, growth is is a big part of it. So hiring is is really important, and hiring the right team is hard, and knowing what to hire can be can be hard. So how do you decide what roles to hire, and, and when's the right time? You know, I suppose really relating that to the the last year that we've had and the economic situation. You probably want that role, but knowing when, to, when the right time really to hire it is, is, is something I know a lot of leaders struggle with. So yeah, what's, what's your advice on that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. One that certainly doesn't have a, a right or wrong answer. What certainly is the case is that like, there was a paradigm shift right during 2022, where before that we were in a world macroeconomic environment with like, very low rates. Capital was relatively cheap money was flowing from VCs into startups really well and and easily. And all of a sudden there was a sense of like that the music stopped, right? And it forced every team to, to think differently about scaling and moving a bit away from the growth at any cost kind of mantra towards like profitability and sustainability of that growth. And you see these across the spectrum, not only in hiring, we spoke about also new shiny vendors and paid uh, partners to your data platform, but you also see these on the type of work that uh, the data teams are asked to do and the projects that are prioritized. Insights temp- typically tend to to look more into areas like profitability, return of the customers, LTV, et cetera, rather than just volumes of growth, et cetera. So it's quite interesting. So I, I guess after that change, the... And we'll see what 2024 brings us, but definitely we're still in a period of caution and, and kind of balance when it comes to, to hiring. From my experience, particularly in the, over the last two years is really about two things. One is the feedback and observations internally regarding how under capacity the teams you're managing are. So some, that's the type of hiring that it's more like a, a, a need rather than to be able to do what we want to do in the present, rather than a scaling or growing type of hiring. And that's most of the hiring that has been happening in the teams I worked on over the last two years. The other type of hiring is more like looking into the plans going forward and the new bets. An example of these areas, again, obviously AI, quite a new field requiring part new skills, but certainly new ways of thinking and approaching problems. Which might justify like directional hiring. We at Plum, for example, are ramping up our AI and ML initiatives since the Q4 2023, which I'm personally very excited about. We are not yet accelerating massively the hiring uh, in that area before we prove and land a couple of important projects. But we're certainly thinking about how to move talent internally towards that direction and how to educate ourselves. So. How to decide what roles to hire and when? I think is mostly a function of feedback and observations about how under resourced your team is and what you want to do in the near future.
0: I like what you mentioned about how you you, know, you spin up projects and, and prove some value or trying to prove some value before before get, getting the the green light. I think that makes you know a lot of data leaders. You have to go and, and fight for approval and fight for budget to to get them new roles and. If you haven't got anything to show for it, other than yeah, what you have planned in your head, it's much harder to do that. So, proving some value cases and then showing the executives a roadmap of of why this hire will drive value, I think, is is definitely a great strategy to to unlock that that budget. So, I think this would be one that many of the listeners will be keen to uh, to understand, especially if they haven't worked in a startup. What what skill sets? do excel in, in, a, in a data team at its early stage, and I suppose on that, as a data function in a startup turns into a scale-up, how does the skill set evolve as well? So two kind of compounded questions there. Great question. Thanks, Harry. Look, I think
1: individuals wanting to or aspiring to join a startup or scale-up needs to be um, technically and culturally ready to wear many hats. I see this as a as a good thing, as a positive thing that can drive immense personal growth and career development, but it's certainly something that is not for everyone. Not all the roles are exactly defined, and even the roles that are defined there's a there's changes guaranteed in an environment like a scale up, so your role will likely evolve. I think. This is particularly important in the very early days. If you end up being one of the first or the first hire in the data team, certainly you should be able or are expected to operate across the data stack. So think about engaging and growing full stack kind of data skills, covering all parts of data, but also being ready mentally to take different responsibilities. From a personal skills perspective, I tend to quite explicitly have these almost kind of hidden scorecard. I keep when, when I interview candidates over hiring manager interviews, and try to look for signals that flash for personal traits. self-started, Self-starter, proactiveness, adaptability, and pragmatism. Starting with the end, pragmatism, it's really important to deliver the simple first before the complicated, and having a really good eye for quick wins. This is perhaps, and other people in your podcast spoke about this, is perhaps one of the most impactful ways of, of influencing or impressing stakeholders in the startup is landing those things that have relatively low effort and relatively high impact. So your, your quick wins. Obviously, adaptability, you need to be able to adapt to that change in a fast-paced environment. And lastly, as I mentioned, that productivity aspect of being able to spot opportunities to be better and, and passionately own those. I really like to see the enthusiasm of colleagues inside and outside of my team, teams like spotting an opportunity or an area where something can be better and like owning that and driving the change in that area without asking you for permission. It's something I don't miss from the corporate environments where you have to go through red tape and layers of approval in terms of deviating a bit from your project and justifying that, certainly in a startup, that's not only not a problem, but it's something valued and something incentivized. So in terms of skill sets,
0: I would go for those. Nice. Yeah, you have to, it comes back to, I suppose, your experience, that full stack, that breadth of knowledge and understanding how the data flows and then is utilized is is so important when you're going to be wearing many hats. And yeah, I love the pragmatism. Finding the simple wins, proving the value, and, and identifying them can be hard. You know, you can have a, a long list of projects. How do you know which ones to, to tackle first? So, so, being able to identify that is definitely a, 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 a skill. So, now you've got your tech, you've got your team, but how's that all then going to be perceived by the business? So, this is more, I suppose, the, the cultural aspects. And most startup scale ups tend to be more tech focused anyway. So maybe have a better understanding of of data than the more traditional business. But you know what is a what is a good data culture if if there is such a thing? It's making
1: sure, like to me, a good data culture is making sure that decisions are as data driven as possible. And I want to emphasize that as data driven as possible, the statement itself uh, accepts that there's decisions that cannot or should not be necessarily fully data-driven. So being a passionate data professional, it doesn't invalidate this. And it's important to understand that there's always an aspect of certain groups of decisions that are driven by other things, but not necessarily by data for reasons like we can't get data on a certain intuition or certain gut feeling opportunity we have or for other reasons, right? So it's about making sure that The decisions that should be data-driven are data-driven. And in that camp, availability and accessibility of data in order to make decisions, it's everything. Again, the topic of self-service analytics, super interesting. There's different levels of skepticism and opinions uh, across what what self-service should be pursued. And more and more, I think, full and perfect self-service analytics are a bit utopian. But guaranteeing a level of accessibility and availability through a, through a good business intelligence strategy using Looker or Tableau or the tools, it's absolutely crucial for a strong data culture.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And how do you improve this? Because that's a, it's a key part of how, I suppose, a, a data team interacts with the business and that sort of how it's perceived. So as a leader, how, if there's areas where... Uh, and this is maybe more department specific, but how have you got any strategies or advice of how leaders can can improve that?
1: There's a few. There's a few different ways. One I personally use is like, you know, as head of data, I'm leading a function that is kind of independent from other product squads or product teams, so I don't necessarily have a vested interest in kind of. Basically, let me rephrase that part. Basically, I normally benefit from being like a, an independent participant in different discussions. So one way we try to evangelize data culture, this particularly works on, on companies that still relatively small, perhaps around below 200 people, higher than that is not possible to scale. This is to make sure you have data professionals and data leadership sat in different product uh, and leadership discussions and working as a challenger and basically interrogating the quality of the metrics, the quality of the statements, yes. and how data-driven some of the decisions are, and trying to raise the bar in that area. That's something that definitely I try to do a lot here at Plum, and in different roles, day in, day out, is more, it's not so much a concrete action, it's more like a, a way of approaching your position in the company. When it comes to tech, if you assume, we typically, we, we like to think about Looker, but this applies to any business intelligence tool as like the window of the shop, right? Like it's what people, is the way people interact with data is what they see. But behind the scenes, there's a massive operation of data collection, ingestion, hundreds of pipelines, hundreds of tables, dbt, all sorts of things. So treating Looker as a customer facing product or your BI tool in general as a, as a product. Something that requires a roadmap, requires understanding your users, in this case, stakeholders, internal users, and has different iterations, training, etc., is absolutely crucial in order to keep a, a healthy data culture. It's not always very obvious in the short term how certain actions you take in Looker or putting together data catalogs or rolling out data training company-wise affect. The data culture in the short term is hard to measure those effects, but hopefully these things become more visible after you consistently do them for a period of time
0: yeah I think that's that, that, that product mindset's obviously been quite there's been quite a lot of, of talk about that in in recent years and you know seeing data as a as a product I, I think that's important for a data team to to think about you know the user experience of what they're building whether you're In BI and you're building a dashboard or you're in the data platform team you know who are the consumers of your of your product and and what is going to be their experience I think that's definitely a mindset shift that that is slowly happening within the industry and is is very important to enabling the the person who's who's downstream from you to do their work because sometimes the best way for you to do something isn't necessarily what the the end user wants and I think that's that's often so i love that absolutely and just to
1: add to that like acknowledging that like there's no such thing as like one or two user personas even within you know end user personas even within a, a small company with with 200 people or so there's multiple data stakeholders and people with different data appetites and and data needs so it's really easy also i'm just being the devil's advocate here now like to to over optimize to certain specific niche use cases and in doing that you end up Detrimenting the, the, the data experience for, for other user groups. So look, we, we really try to, to avoid chasing perfection in this area and focus on directional improvement, making sure month in month out or quarter in, quarter out, we continue to be better data culture. You continue to raise the bar in terms of decisions, how those decisions are sustained by data evangelizing the importance of non-data people to, to invest in their own data literacy as well, because they are consumers of data and manipulate data and, and have to put metrics and decisions together. So all of those things consistently through time, hopefully land an impact.
0: Brilliant. brilliant. Well, look, that's brilliant. And we've, we've touched upon some of the, the core areas there and the building blocks of, of a successful data team in a, in a startup scale-up. Show this all leads to to impact. So it'd be great to hear, you know, how your data team at Plum measures impact and and share some of the some of the work and some of the projects that you are doing and and what impact that's having on on plumbers as, as a business.
1: Yeah, yeah, selling selling the ROI of data teams or communicating that again, as previous people in in this show in this podcast described much more elegantly than than me, it's, it's, it's a bit of a million dollar question and something that doesn't have a fixed answer for in the context of, and that applies to any data team operating in any company of any size or industry, but particularly in scale-ups or startups, the fact that data is completely multidisciplinary by nature. So you don't have multiple data divisions. You tend to be still in one data, one data team that have different specialisms. The fact that what the stakeholders see is the absolute tip of the iceberg normally from a technical perspective. The fact that data teams sit in an intersection of departments, some teams operate closer to business, some closer to engineering, but certainly all of them traverse product, means it's super hard to demonstrate direct ROI in pound against every single action or every single project you do. So for me, it's a lot about Trying, perhaps this is a theme across our conversation here, like it's about making sure you're progressing towards the right direction, making sure you're responding right to the challenges around prioritization, planning, and value, and iterating to to make those relationships uh, with your senior stakeholders better. I try to use three things to do this better on my day-to-day. One is to try to have fixed schedule Updates to leadership regarding the challenges your team is facing, progress towards key projects, costs, because ROI is a function of costs. So it's quite important to, to communicate the costs of running data in your company. And the KPI is a success metrics that define how well you're building your data platform. So making sure that you have a monthly, quarterly, weekly, whatever works for you, but fixed cadence and relatively fixed format update prepared for some key stakeholders regarding all things data, normally tends to, to attract the right questions and satisfy a lot of the, the, yeah, the questions regarding what are they getting from from investing in data. The other thing is making sure that intelligence through data, so insights, it's constant. It's a constant stream and not a one-off or a special thing that leads to celebration. Again, I've been in companies where because of different reasons, cultural investment in data, the roles, the ratio of analysts to, to data engineers or analytics engineers was lower. Then the activities related to learning more about your users or learning about the behaviors that are driving the most impact for the company were, was relatively rare because the team was more focused in optimizing the data platform to make sure that other operational tasks were performed. So here at Plum, we want to make sure, uh, and we are making sure that uh, intelligence through data, it's constant, it's not something we celebrate, it's part of what we ship constantly, ranging from nuggets, small insights that can affect or stimulate someone to think differently about their users or about the features they're building, all the way to deeper dives, insights, where we go deep into an area that we haven't covered much. We start with a range of hypotheses, And we prepare a pack that describes general knowledge about an area we didn't know much before. So yeah, really making sure intelligence that the team is shipping intelligence and and knowledge about the user base is important. And third, I try to be, and and we need to be better at these and, and it's something I constantly try to iterate, but be clear about your prioritization rationale and transparent about what your team members have live in terms of projects and why. So not only what they are doing, but try to have a, a strong level of knowledge about why the things were prioritized in a certain way and the importance to do those. And having a documented prioritization rationale, it's it's normally great and it protects you from, yeah, from different questions around prioritization.
0: Nice. I like that. And... That why I, I like that you added that in. That that why is so important as to to helping others explain why you've got that prioritization in in place. And I think that can help with your own building your own rationale and understanding of of what uh, and your prioritization is understanding what that that why is. So um, you've been at Plum for six months. It's yeah, you know, we're recording this at the beginning of the the year in in January. What does success look like in, in data at plum over the next 12, 12 months for, for both you and, and your team there's a few different
1: things but broadly speaking and this is also a reflection of how we organize ourselves so the team the team is slowly and sustainably but nevertheless growing and trending up in size we, we have uh, two hires joining we we are 12 in size with me so that's quite exciting and uh, we organize ourselves in like different areas so we work together under one, mission statement of maximizing the value of data at Plum. But we obviously recognize the importance of the different responsibilities and roles and areas of focus. So for 2024, it's a lot about three things, really. One is to really go deeper into understanding our user base and filling the last uh, batch of gaps, fundamental gaps we have in terms of understanding why users use Plum, stick around, love some churn, understand Fundamentally, our user base by ramping up what we do in terms of deep dives, advanced analytics and insights is going to definitely continue to be an area we focus a lot. The other one is like continuing like the modernization of our data platform and making sure we we really build the best best in class in this area. Uh, I'm super proud of what we achieved already prior to me. So obviously I don't have to, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm very far from being responsible for all the successes in in that area, but the foundations are right. And we really identified the problem statements uh, regarding our data platform and the scalability of, of some of the operations we have in data. And we know exactly what we need to do and we have the right people in place. So will be a lot around elevating the data platform to be in the place we, we want to be. And hopefully you'll hear us ramping up our participation in kind of public forums, meetups, uh, blog posts, and sharing some of the exciting stuff we're doing in this area. Lastly is, is delivering, uh, delivering on the promise of AI. So as a data team, one of the sub functions of data, is, is, data sci- is related to data science and machine learning. And as I said in the beginning, since Q4, we're doing big bets in that area. And we're going to continue to do so and hopefully deliver both internal data science, machine learning, and AI products. So, products that allow us to do things we already do, but much better, much faster, much cheaper, as well as customer facing AI products. So, yeah, those are the quests we're going after.
0: (laughs) Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, look it's been great to to cover off these really key points and I think really you've shared some really useful information as to some of the challenges that it, heads of data it's got scale ups face but also for for people looking to move into the startup world so if anyone wants to to learn more about Plum, then feel free to to connect with Joel I don't know if he'll be hiring at the time but I'm sure he'll always appreciate a, a connection so yeah thank you for your insight Joel we just got the final round of quickfire questions, which we ask every guest on the show. Um, first off, how do you assess a job opportunity in your career and how do you know it's the right move for you?
1: In the spirit of being a quickfire round, a quick straight to point answer on this one, I tend to make sure I, I evaluate the role in terms of understanding if it, if it constitutes an opportunity to engage on something new. So to me, it's all about optimizing for personal growth at this phase of my career and trying to trying to experience roles that give me something I didn't experience before and force me to leave my comfort zone. So this could be new responsibilities, a new tech stack, a bigger team, different industry, there's different ways to, to do that. Uh, but yeah, I tend to, to optimize for, for roles that are promising when it comes to personal growth.
0: Nice. I think, and you also touched a bit upon that at the in, in your first answer, right? Uh, it's about understanding what you're stepping into is a, is a really big, big part of that. So, second question: What is your best advice for people in an interview? Something that obviously came
1: up before, but I think it's so important, especially over the last three years. And I've, I've conducted hundreds of interviews in different companies, so and I see these on and on. I, I mean. Be yourself, right? Like avoid, avoid memorizing answers to cliche questions that you think uh, are going to come up. Ultimately it's quite hard to keep like kind of a, a role play or, or something you're not necessarily for, for long enough, and it will create the wrong impression if that happens and you end up like engaging again with the team and not being able to, to play that role. So really be yourself, particularly in scale ups. That's super important. People want to connect with you from a personal and human perspective, first and foremost. And second, this is a bit of a, yeah, I think it's interesting when I see this on and on again, don't assume interview questions have to be very hard with traps or or nasty angles to it. Normally questions are meant to be simple. And I see this all the time, prevents good candidates from answering correctly things they actually know. Because they're assuming that the the question can't be that straightforward. It's it's a reflection of something a lot of data people and technical people have, which is a slight tendency to overcomplicate. So try to avoid that, and and hopefully it will give you better results.
0: Yeah, I, I agree on the the overcomplication. Sometimes it really is as simple. And what I think to add that my my advice, which I always give candidates, is. You can always ask the interviewer for, for clarification if they're expecting more. I think that's something that not a lot of people do. You know, you finish your answer and say, you know, was that the answer you were expecting? Do you want me to elaborate further? Something like that, you throw the ball into the interviewer's court to, for them to then say, no, that's great, or give the interviewer the opportunity to be able to allow you to, to elaborate. So yeah, great, great advice there. Final piece, final question. If you could recommend one resource to the audience to help them upskill what would it be? I'm going
1: to be really annoying and and recommend a few different things that I've been finding useful and and touch on different topics. One is a, is a book by Chip Un uh, regarding MLOps called Designing Machine Learning Systems that it's something I've been referencing a lot over the last 6 months and and prior companies where we had to develop and mature kind of machine learning systems uh, from scratch in environments that are kind of fast paced. So definitely one of the best in class in that area, in my opinion. On another topic, equally important for startups and something that, to be completely honest, we, we need to continue to improve at Plum and in different places. It's regarding A-B testing, particularly this book called Trustworthy Online Controlled Experiments, A Practical Guide to A-B Testing. is by Ron Kohavi, Diane Tang, and Yashu. Definitely packed with, with gems and knowledge, important knowledge in this area. On prompt engineering, even though AI has been the buzz, the topic for 2023, and certainly will, will stay the same for 2024, I think it's super important to understand prompt engineering. So it's almost like a, it's becoming almost like a non-technical skill, right? It's how to, how to develop and craft prompts that allow you to maximize the value you get from an LLM response. And there's a particular article I read recently, hopefully we can share on the link, which which I found super interesting and touches on the different techniques that can be used. And then on a non-technical camp completely, something I finished reading recently, and it's, it's, it's regarding a topic of enormous importance, climate change in the city of London. It's called Breath, Tackling the Climate Change Emergency by Sadiq and the mayor of London. And I highlight this book to just Emphasize that it is, is important to to kind of learn about the world we live in, and also because this book touches on the importance of data reporting and evidence in showing and demonstrating why certain existential crises and, and and subjects have to be addressed. And and so there's different there's uh, interesting reflections on how the team used data to show that they needed to invest more in this
0: area. Amazing. Well, look, that is great. We'll uh, we'll link the posts and yeah tag all the all the books in as well in, in the comments. Um, Joel, I really appreciate your time it's been great to, to unpick the challenges of, of growing and, and, and managing a, a data team within a scale up yeah I'm sure the audience have, have learned a lot Thank you for your time. Harry, thank you so much It was a pleasure. thank you so much we'll see you next week everyone Well. That's it for this week. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I really hope you've learned something. I know I have. The Stack Podcast aims to share real journeys and lessons that empower you and the entire community. Together, we aim to unlock new perspectives and overcome challenges in the ever evolving landscape of modern data. Today's episode was brought to you by Cognify, the recruitment partner for modern data teams. If you've enjoyed today's episode, Hit that follow button to stay updated with our latest releases. More importantly, if you believe this episode could benefit someone you know, please share it with them. We're always on the lookout for new guests who have inspiring stories and valuable lessons to share with our community. If you or someone you know fits that bill, please don't hesitate to reach out. I've been Harry Gollop from Cognify, your host and guide on this data-driven journey. Until next time, over and out.